Dynasty Baseball Podcast. I'm Hal, and this is the Top 100 Prospect Series, where I'm going to be counting down, or counting up, counting up, I guess, my Top 100 Prospects, 1 to 100, and let's get started. Number one, Wander Franco. Used to be the unquestioned number one. Now, now maybe there are some questions. Coming from mostly Prospects Live, who has Jared Kalanick number one, Eric Cross followed suit with Kalanick at number one, but I'm staying strong with Franco, and I do respect the hell out of anyone that ranks with a mind of their own. They believe it, do it. Don't worry about people saying, you know, whatever, criticizing your rankings, and that's always how I've done it. I give you my raw, unfiltered opinion. I don't uh, I don't care if it's maybe going to open up to criticism or anything like that. I tell you how I truly believe it, or else why else would I even be doing this? So respect the hell out of people that do that. Respect Prospects Live, starting that train. But I still do have Wander Franco 1, and it starts with the insane hit tool. Just the unbelievable generational-type ability to get the bat on the ball. And he does hit it. He has hit it harder than those alternate site stats that Prospects Live gave out has shown. I mean, Long and Hagen put out the 2019 exit velocity numbers, and Franco's numbers were above average. And they constantly talk about the, you know, the big batting practice displays and stuff like that. So he's Franco's what? He's going to be 20? He, he's There's definitely more power in the tank. The adjustments are coming. I think he's got it in him. And I'm sticking with him there at number one. And while I do see their reasoning, and like I said before, respect their decision, uh, I believe, you know, if you look at Kellnick, his his hit tool numbers in the mind, I, I, I think he does have a plus hit tool, but I think he struck out like 25% of the time at high A. So I don't know if it's completely unquestioned that maybe there could be some contact issues in the majors. Again, you know, and the funny thing is when you rank someone like a little lower than you expect, or when you're trying to give your reasoning, you feel this need to like shit on, on the player. Like I'm sure prospects live, they love Franco, but because, you know, they ranked him too. Now they feel this need to kind of shit on him. It's, it's a weird thing, but you do. So like for me, when I'm talking about Kalanick, I, I, I love the guy. I have him second. I think he's going to be an all category contributor, but you know, you do feel this need to be like, well, the strikeout rate was a little high. Maybe the hit tool won't be as great as people are saying. So I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to crap on him. I love him, but those are those are my reasonings for Franco one, Kalanick two, number three. Talk about ranking with a mind of your own. Ivan Anderson number three. Now I ranked him higher from his original first year player draft. Everyone was all over Kyle Wright. I I pumped the brakes a little bit on Kyle Wright, and I said Ian Anderson's the guy I would rather have. This was before the draft. So this is before Anderson went higher than right. And it's all about the changeup, the pitch tunneling. I saw it in the videos back when he was in high school. It's obviously translated. I've stayed relatively high on him through all my rankings. Even when he was dropping down some people's rankings, I stayed high on him. So I'm sticking with that. I'm not, I'm not falling off him now. I got him real high in my dynasty rankings. I got him high here. And I think he is going to break through. I'm not saying he's uh, Jacob DeGrom. But I do think he's going to break through and he could be in that like Zach Gallen type level, you know, and uh, I, I would say Gallen could, I thought, I thought maybe Shane Bieber was going to be that guy, but look at Bieber. He obviously blew the hell up. I'm not saying Ian Anderson's going to do that, but I do have him in that next tier under those top aces and it's all about the changeup. And even though, I mean, the, the spin rate, the stuff like that's not that great, but there's only improvement coming. 
I mean, he's still 22. So I think you see what he did this year. You see what he did in the playoffs, and there's only more coming. Number four, Julio Rodriguez. You know, I saw I saw the bad Dominican League numbers, and I'm ignoring them. But, you know, Longenhagen, who just came out of his rankings, dropped, dropped Rodriguez down to 20. He's concerned about it. Uh, I'm not. I still think this guy's going to be a beast. But he did hit 196, you know, in 56 at-bats in the Dominican League. No homers. It wasn't pretty. But, um, like I said, I'm staying with him. Number five, Marco Luciano. I mean, that monster home run was all the talk. The the 119-mile-per-hour exit velocity, probably bullshit. But the the Giants... uh, coordinator of pitching sciences or whatever, uh, I think the guy's name is Matt Daniels, he said it's quite possibly the furthest home run he's ever witnessed in person. So it was a blast. It was definitely a blast. But beyond that, Luciano could be the top prospect in baseball once the guys ahead of him graduate. And I have him over Torkelson and Vaughn. I guess you could go different ways on that, but I think maybe his upside's higher than either of them. So number six, I do have Torkelson. Obvious first pick in the first-year player draft. Uh, huge power. He's like that Chris Bryant type of college hitter where it just seems obvious. And, uh, yeah, I have him sixth. Seven, Andrew Vaughn. Better hit tool in Torque, I think. Also, better lineup. He's going to be up quicker. Better ballpark, probably. So there's a lot of outside circumstances going for Vaughn to have Vaughn over Torkelson. Now, Torkelson has more power, which is how I lean in fantasy, but there are some factors where you go, you know what? How how long before Detroit really has a stacked lineup like Chicago has right off the bat? It's something to think about, and Chicago is generally known as a better ballpark to hit in. I haven't looked at the most recent ballpark data, but that is the general consensus, so there is some reasoning to go one over the other, but uh, I'm not. So number eight, Randy Arizarena. Another one where there's some controversy, small sample, you're jumping on these guys too quick, and you do see there are plenty of prospects that come up, they're on fire, and then they cool off. Brett Lowry is always the guy that comes to my mind, where it's like you got a talented prospect, he blows up, but then he's never able to keep that up again. We'll see what happens. I do believe in Arizarena, and even in last year's ranking, I talked about In his MLB debut, I talked about how good the exit velocity was. I talked about his general good feel to hit. He's got speed. I regret not being higher on him last year. I don't want to make the same mistake again. I think the breakout's real. He's hitting in the middle of a good lineup. I'm buying in. Number eight. Number nine, Brian Hayes. Another another big riser based on the MLB numbers. But it's... Scouting prospects and predicting what they're going to do in the majors, to me, isn't an exact enough science to ignore MLB success, even in a relatively small sample. I mean, Hayes showed the plate approach completely going to transfer. He showed that he's going to hit the ball really hard. I mean, he showed his speed. He showed all the tools in the minors, and it translated to the majors. I buy into that. And it's also the general strategy on in dynasty leagues where you go – if I have a talent, he's young, he's talented. It's not like he's a complete out of nowhere. So is Arizona. So is Ian Anderson. These guys always were considered talented. So if I have a guy like that, he comes up to the majors, he breaks out, I'm building around him. I mean, you look at 
all the best dynasty players I've played with, they call you, you know, if you have one of these players, I have Hayes, one of the best dynasty players in my other league. He goes, hey, hey, what's going on? What do you want for Hayes? I'm like, yeah, man, he's not really, you know, he's not available for what you're looking for. I know what he was trying to do. And he checked in on another team for Arizona because I know I checked in on that team too. I called him. I'm like, hey, what do you want? You know, so I, I believe the good players are the ones going after these guys and they're not tr- selling high on them. I mean, you talk to a good dynasty manager and try to get one of their young players who just broke out. It's going to be trouble. They, these aren't players that are given up easily. So that's how I, I rank it, how I play it. This is how I play dynasty. When you have a young breakout, you hold them. And that's it. All right. Number 10, Mackenzie Gore. Didn't love the uh, all the alternate site chatter about the the delivery is not great. He didn't look right. He's still working on getting all his pitches down. It's like not what you want to hear when you you talking about a prospect that's like you know at the, especially a pitching prospect that's supposed to be top of the line elite. I still have him ranked tenth. Uh, I still do think he's going to be an ace. But again, it's these little things where it's like uh, not that great. You don't want to hear this kind of stuff. I think he is going to figure it out, but we could say that with, you know, and Forrest Whitley had obviously the injury issues, who's now about 50. He's down on everybody's list. And it's like, it starts with these little things. I know Whitley has a lot of injury. It's not necessarily the exact same thing, but it does start with these little things where you think it's no doubt. And then just the pitching development, it's so, it's just so, it's just different. It's just different, which is why, I don't go for these elite pitching prospects. I go for the elite hitting prospects, and then I build my pitching like I've been tweeting about in my Dynasty Strategy tweet series. I build my pitching on jumping real fast on those in-season breakouts. Framber Valdez last year really helped me. Uh, a couple years ago, jumping on, you know, German Marquez won me the league. Obviously, he kind of, course, got the best of me after that, but still. So that's how I do it. Number 11, Adley Rushman, number one catcher prospect in baseball, arguably the most valuable catcher period in dynasty. I mean, I think I've real, I've real moved to over him, but still, and it's, it depends on how much you value catcher. If you value the catcher position high, or if you need them, you know, Rushman could be even higher, but I'm a little hesitant. They get more days off. There's more wear and tear. There's much more focus on defense. So I'm a little hesitant. That's where I have him. 11. Number 12, Dylan Carlson, he was breaking out toward the end of the year. It's, it, it was a mediocre start, but then he was slashing, what did he slash? He slashed 295, 377, 614 in his final 53 plate attempts, including the playoffs. So the breakout was coming. I'm sticking basically right where I had him last year. Number 13, Jocelyn Dominguez. Everyone, <laughs> I see a lot of sell highs because he's obviously never played. The hype is in overdrive, so it's like, hey, sell high if you can. Now, if you could sell – I have Dominguez on my dynasty ranking, what, like like one-tenth or something like that? So if you could sell Dominguez for an elite player now, or if he's getting valued like Wander is getting valued, definitely sell him. But if it's only – if he's if he's only going to be getting valued where like a good but not elite player, I'd, I'd hold. I mean that elite upside – that's what win you, wins you league. So, yes, the risk is high. But if Dominguez is what they're saying he is, I mean, this is the type of prospect that, you know, gives you a gives you a 
10-year window to win your league. Not saying he's going to turn into that, but that's the upside on it. So if you're not getting – so don't sell for like a pretty good MLB return. But sure, if selling high means you're getting like an elite MLB return, yeah, sell high. I'm with that. Number 14, Christian Robinson. Another really high upside guy, but there's starting to be more questions about the hit tool. Concerned that he's just not going to be able to get to all that power and speed if he's not making contact. But it's, it's another one where the upside's too high for me to pass up, and he's number 14. Number 15, Jeter Downs. I mean, I've been talking about him for years now. There's not much more to say. He's on, he's on the cusp of the majors. Uh, I love the guy. I love the baseball skills, not the most tools, the exit velocity, sprint sprint speeds, not extremely high, but ability to hit, ability to lift the ball, the speed. Uh, I talked it on last year's podcast, which was my last podcast, but these are going to be ramping up a lot more. So I don't want to go too far into him as I've I've done a ton on him. Number 16, C.J. Abrams. Some people have him like a top five, top six prospect. I get it. I want to see the power more in games. I know the alternate site data had the power up, and I do all of them, obviously. Plus hit, the speed, the power coming. Could be a Trey Turner-like uh, fantasy line. We'll see. You know, We'll see if the power can develop like Turner's power developed. If it does, I will regret not having him in the top five. But I do want to see it a little bit. 17, Sixto Sanchez. Another one who's becoming a bit of a divisive prospect with every it's, – it's divisive only in the sense of levels of how much you like him. So I'm not the insane love of him. I like him. I am. He's always had the unbelievable great stuff, but the strikeout numbers haven't really been, you know, that outside like Ian Anderson strikeout numbers in the minors and like what Ian Anderson showed in the majors. So Sixto has the unbelievable stuff just by just looking at it from that direction. I could understand how you go, hey, I'm betting more on the stuff and he's going to figure that out. As he gets older, uh, he also hasn't put up that many innings. So there's a few questions there on Sixto, but I still have him 17th overall. So I'm obviously in. I just have him under some of those real top hitting prospects. And he's my third pitcher behind Ian Anderson. One is my number is my number one prospect pitcher. Number two is Gore. Number 18, Austin Martin. If Torque's the no-brainer number one, I think Martin's the no-brainer number two. I see that is what's been happening in these drafts. Uh, all-category player, possibly the best hit tool in the draft, among the best hit tools in the draft. He's going to have – the power is going to de- keep developing more and more. He has speed. It's kind of like a better Dansby Swanson. It's kind of how I see Martin ceiling. And I love Dansby. I was on Dansby last year. I mean, you can look at my rankings. So I love Dansby. I never was thought he was a lost cause when people were jumping ship on him. And uh, he did develop into a damn good player. 19, Bobby Witt Jr. A lot of talk from the alternate site about how good the hit tool is looking. That's a good sign. The hit tool also looked better in his pro debut than people were giving him credit for. But let's see how the power develops because that's what the bread and butter is going to be on him. It's all going to be about the power development. And Like Abrams, like the guy right, right after him, Corbin Carroll, these are really talented players who had really strong alternate site reports and instructional site reports. And you're thinking, hopefully, when the games start, that that's all going to come together. And it's going to be true. You know, we're getting a lot of this alternate site data. We're saying, you know, uh, 
This is the greatest player we've ever seen. No one's dominated like this before. Oh, you know, powers, everything's great. Let's see how much of this stuff actually translates. This year, more than any other year, these rankings might be a little more volatile or or quicker to change when we see actual game data. You know, it's like, I don't know. I, I It's for someone like who I mentioned in the beginning, who I really do like ranking with a mind of my own and digging in and doing my own stuff. This year, for sure, there's more of that. Everyone's getting the same alternate site data. We're all just working on the same stuff. And I believe even with a little information, you do have to act on it. That's why I do have risers. I do have guys falling and rising. But it does make me feel a little more uncomfortable in years past because you're relying on, you know, their own team is telling you this. These, you're, you know, it's tough to trust it. You know, whatever. All right, number 20, Corbin Carroll. I, I talked about him on you know my last podcast I did last year about how I was high on him in his first-year player draft class. The reports from Walter and Camp are off the charts, wowing everyone, you know, all the uh, superlatives. So uh, he was bumped up. 21, Royce Lewis. Walter and Camp reports talking about him hitting for average. Well, you know, the hit tool is what he needs to improve on. Everything else is there. So if he really can tinker and and get the hit tool right, he's going to be a stud. We'll see if it gets there. The reports were good, but it was a lot. He's doing a lot of tinkering. It's a lot every year he's tinkering. So there's a lot of he's trying to figure it out. We'll see if he can. Nate Pearson showed electric stuff in his MLB debut, which is what you love to see when someone's Hyped up, and the numbers when he comes up back it up. 96.3 mile per hour fastball plus slider. He had the you know the 5.4 ERA and the little injury. That's what keeps him at uh, the injury is really what kept him a little further down. And the stuff is so nasty. Those two pitches are so nasty. He could end up jumping into that top range. We'll see. Again, a pitching prospect is why I'm a little more hesitant on him, but he could bump. 23, Tristan McKenzie. There is a ton of risk about the slight frame. He might break down. He might not ever be able to put up those kind of numbers. And the velocity was in a steady decline in his first six starts. But unbelievable minor league numbers. Came up in the majors, did the exact same thing. And pitchers in general, I try not to focus so much on, you know, this guy's super risky as opposed to just all pitchers have this risk. Even guys who have the spotless track record, you know, break down. Sometimes even if you do get Tommy John, you almost feel more comfortable that it's already been dealt with for the next, whatever, five, six, seven years until they start having more problems. So I try not to get so caught up in which pitcher is more risky or less risky. And I take the plunge. I mean, if you look at Denilson LeMay, I'm still, I think I had him 70-something in my dynasty rankings. I mean, without the injury risk, he would have been higher. He probably would have been in the 40s. So I did ding him, but I don't want to completely forget about him. I mean, maybe I know he talked about he was like two pitches away from. He said he said the the when, right when he before he shut down, it turned out he was like two pitches away from tearing his uh, tearing his elbow. So he's happy he shut down. Now he's 100 percent healthy. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that he was that close, but still, I don't want to. Just assume, oh, this guy's going to get hurt. It, it, everyone's in the high-risk category as a pitcher in a way. 
So there, there is, I mean, there is, you do have to delineate a little bit like that, but I don't want to get too nuts with it. So 23, I love McKenzie, and I'm, I'm staying high on him. And Cleveland. You got to love the Cleveland uh, pitching process. All right, 24, Louis Patino. Tampa Bay targeted him. You got to like that. You got to like when a strong organization uh, targets a prospect. Now, there's a give and take. With, it's like the Dodgers and Tampa. It's You love the developmental process they have, and they do right by these players. But for fantasy purposes, their innings are capped. It's just they don't look at Snell. Snell is still giving Tampa Bay shade over pulling them, obviously, in the World Series, which they deserve. But in general, they're not – you don't go – so quality start league, you got to be a little worried on Patino. But in in kind of just any other league, I think the fact that Tampa knows what they're doing outweighs the worry that he's never going to be a big innings guy. Because, I mean, if you think about it, Tampa – if, if they think their pitchers can go longer and keep up their grade array, they're going to do it. So it's kind of better. So the, the ratios will be better. The innings will be a little down, but it's made up, like I said, by having better ratios. It's not like they're trying to hold their pitchers back. It's because they believe the longer they let them go, they're going to blow up or they're going to get hurt. So it's in your best interest. It's in your best interest in a sense, but it's still really, really frustrating. 25, Jazz Chisholm. I've always liked him, but I had him bumped up because I really liked the 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 MLB debut surface numbers stunk. I mean, 161, 242, 321, triple slash. But, and again, it's a really small sample. But I still was, uh, I still really liked the 25.7% whiff percentage. That's not too bad. It's I know it's only 62 plate attempts, but even in this small sample, sometimes... You see a guy who struggles for contacts just going to it's going to be even he comes up to the majors and and the whip percentage is like you know 45 it's it's way up there. So the fact that he was able to make contact, I really like that. And he hits the ball in the air. He's a tremendous athlete. Uh the average exit velocity wasn't great, 87.1, but he showed much better in his minor league career there. So at the end of the day, I think you're getting a power speed combo whose average might not be so horrible. Now, there is still risk that it's going to bottom out, which is why I don't have him even higher than I do. I feel like having the 25 is taking a little bit of that risk into account. If other people want to take more, I get that. All right, 26, Alex Kirilov. I think he's going to debut in the majors. It seems like it. Minnesota hasn't signed anyone to take over that spot yet. Uh, maybe they still do. There are still guys out there. But just one of these guys, his dad, you know, he was been hit. He was hitting batting cages with his dad when other kids were in school. He was like a homeschooled kid who was just a baseball lifer, baseball rat kind of guy. He's got a plus hit, plus power profile. You got to just be pretty confident about this guy hitting the majors. Out of, out of everyone, I just feel like he's not going to be a bust. Maybe he's not going to be the greatest hitter of all time, but out of everyone, I feel confident saying he's not going to be a bust. You know, famous last words. We'll see. Drew Waters, talked about him a lot on last year's podcast, just about how other people have been dropping him down, worried about the hit tool, but great athlete, five category guy, someone for fantasy, you got to stay high on. 28, Leody Tavares, another person who I bumped up. Tavares is really talented. He's always been really talented. And the season before, he was kind of put in a category, the season before Tatis, Fernando Tatis Jr. broke out, it was kind of like Tavares and Tatis were these two super talented prospects whose numbers weren't that great but who had 
the massive potential. Now, obviously, from there, Tatis exploded. And I did have Tatis in my top 100 before he exploded, but not many people did. I also had Tavares right next to him. He didn't explode, but the, the Major League debut, 8 for 8 in stolen bases. Again, the surface triple slash wasn't great. He had 227, but 29.1 foot per, foot per second sprint speed, 10.4% BB percentage, walk percentage, 88.9 mile per hour exit velocity, and 14.3 degree launch angle. So you're looking at a guy who's really fast. He walked. He hit for an above average exit velocity, and he got, he got in the air. I like that. Now, he struck out a lot. He showed a lot better contact in the minors, which is why I believe he's not a monster strikeout risk. And he does need to uh, hit the ball harder when it's in the air. So I don't think he's a monster home run guy necessarily. But I think he's going to give you stolen bases. I think he is going to add power. The batting average shouldn't crush you. He's just a really good player. Tristan Cat and the defense, before I move on, and the defense keeps was going to keep him on the field. The great center field defense. All right, 29, Tristan Cassis. I don't think he's going to get run this year, maybe next year, but a lot of Freddie Freeman talk on him. A lot of, you know, one of these plus hit, plus power hitting first baseman. He's got that potential. Uh, I love the the story uh, at all camp where where he was drilled by a Tanner Hawk pitch. He refused to take first, and then he they smacked a homer off him. And I'm like, part of me, part of me loves that, but part of me is like, did maybe Hawk, you know, Give him a meatball just because he kind of like felt bad for hitting. You don't want to hit your teammate at all camp. So did he just groove a pitch for him to smack out? I don't know. Maybe. All right. Let, let's do a couple more, and then I'm going to stop, and then I'm going to uh, finish the list in subsequent podcasts. So I guess maybe 30 is a good place to stop, or 31. Number 30, Brennan Davis. High on him right from the first-year player draft jump. There were some reports that it took Davis some time to make adjustments to the upper-level pitching. I could see that. So if it was like like Brandon Marsh reports, who I write under 31, the report on him was he dominated in every capacity. That wasn't Davis's report. There was some working on the hit tool and stuff like that. But this is a big dude who's really athletic, got the athletic bloodlines from his dad, power, speed, showed a solid hit tool at Fillet in 2019. So I'm, I'm remaining high on him. Like I mentioned, Marsh, Mar- Brandon Marsh. Another power-speed combo who, all on the alt reports, just uh, uh, gushing over this guy. The dominating in every capacity line. And like I mentioned before, we'll see if that's true when the games start. But uh, I don't know. All right. So thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. I'm going to be banging more of these out constantly. So stay tuned. Later.